This episode was made possible by the generous support of listeners like you. For more information, please visit patreon.com slash author Chris Lester. I strive to make this podcast a safe and inclusive place for my listeners. If I've missed any content warnings, please let me know. Content warnings for this episode include strong language, mature themes, male-female sex, including anal penetration, sexual dominance and submission, and erotic transformations. You're listening to The Raven and the Writing Desk, the weekly podcast about the writings of Chris Lester and Liminal Corvid Press. This is episode 234. Greetings, metamorphs! Welcome back to The Raven and the Writing Desk. I'm your host, Chris Lester. You can learn more about me and my work at chrislaster.org and metamorcity.com. Each week, I share a piece of my fiction with you, available in audio for the first time anywhere. I'll also tell you the latest on my life and my writing. So let's get right to it. Here is this week's story. Today I'm bringing you Chapter 7 of my erotic fantasy, Homecoming. If you're new to the show, go back to Episode 228 to hear this story from the beginning. The following recap will contain spoilers. John and Kate have had an enjoyable evening at the home of her parents, Sam and Lisa Catane. Both of them have been immensely welcoming toward John, and while he has been distracted by his unexpectedly strong attraction to Lisa, John's human will has successfully asserted its control over his supernatural Daedric side. The Catane spent a while catching up on news of old family friends, and then Sam asked his stepdaughter for help with a mystery. One of his students, Chase Tomley, the power forward for the high school's skyball team, the Badgers, has fallen prey to a strange, mono-like illness. It left him bedridden for months, wrecking his senior year of high school and forcing him to repeat his classes and delay enrollment in university. Chase is somewhat better now, but he is still suffering blinding headaches and wild swings in his energy level. His grades are tanking, and if he can't pull it together, he's going to lose his scholarship to St. Marais College. Kate and John suspect some kind of magical curse might be at work, and they promise to help Sam get to the bottom of it. The Badger's homecoming game is tomorrow night, so Kate will use her wizard talents to examine Chase. If he's still under the effects of a curse, Kate might be able to figure out how it works, and who's behind it. But that's tomorrow, and for the Catanes and their guests, the night isn't quite over. Sam and Lisa still have another hour before their bedtime, and they invite Kate and John to join them for a game. Homecoming, A Tale of Metamore City Written and read by Chris Lester Chapter 7 In the end, it was closer to two hours. Sam, Lisa, and Kate joined forces in enthusiastically teaching John a new card game something they called Euchre, though John wasn't sure about the spelling. 
It was a trick-taking game peculiar to the central provinces, and it seemed like it had been specifically designed to confuse out-of-towners. Certain cards changed their suits with every hand, there were a dizzying array of special circumstances that players could take advantage of, and more than half the deck wasn't even used, which led John to repeatedly overestimate the value of his own cards. Kate and her mother formed a team against John and Sam. They spoke little, playing with a sense of coordination that was nearly telepathic, and they showed the boys no mercy. Sam seemed unruffled by the savage beating they received, and took time between hands to explain to John the finer points of strategy that the girls were using. He was calm, steady, and genial, even when John got frustrated, and John thought he understood why this man was a successful teacher. Eventually, the slaughter ended, and Sam and Lisa retired to their bedroom for the night. Miko did not join them, instead returning to his enormous bed near the back door. Kate took a few minutes to clean up the scattered glasses and beer bottles and start a load of dishes in the dishwasher. The dog watched her silently, his head resting between his paws, his ears twitching and turning with every sound. So, that seems like it went well, John said, as he went over to the kitchen windows and peeked out through the curtains. Yeah, I think they like you. John wasn't watching Kate, but he thought he heard her take a couple of steps in his direction. What you doing? Just looking. John frowned and squinted out at the yard, trying to focus the dark vision that his Daedric side gave him. He wasn't sure what it was, exactly. Maybe some kind of radar or mana sense, but his brain interpreted it as a separate set of vision inputs, which layered over top of his human senses. In situations of complete darkness, it kicked in automatically. When there was enough light for his mortal eyes to work, he saw more or less what a human would see. In borderline cases like this one, with a few scattered lamp posts leaving pools of light amidst the darkened neighborhood, his vision would switch unpredictably back and forth, unless he concentrated. Even then, he sometimes couldn't control it. It was like a black-and-white photographic negative flickering over his field of view, and it gave him a headache. John felt the warmth of Kate's body beside him. Looking at what? Is there something in our yard? He gave up and turned away from the window. I don't know, but I think your mother's on edge about something. Kate chuckled. <laughs> Mom is about the most even-tempered person I know. She's not on edge. I don't think she has an edge. She reached up and cupped his cheek with one hand, smiling gently. I think you're a little nervous about them liking you, though. Maybe you're projecting? I am nervous, John admitted. Going home to meet the parents? Me, the incubus boyfriend? Exactly. She leaned in and kissed him softly, then looked him directly in the eyes. Come on, let's go to bed. If there was anything out there to worry about, Miko would let us know. John glanced over at the giant monster dog, still sitting placidly on his bed. Warm, chocolate-brown eyes regarded John thoughtfully. He wondered how much Miko could sense of his inhuman heritage. Certainly his smell would be different from a human's, but could the dog understand what that difference would mean? Dogs he had encountered in Metamore generally seemed unbothered by his scent, 
but the city was home to dozens of sentient species, not just mundane humans. John doubted that Miko had ever encountered a Daedra before. Would the unfamiliarity of that scent make him suspicious? If so, the dog wasn't giving anything away. Not yet, anyway. John looked back at Kate and forced a smile. All right. They made their way quietly upstairs. They retrieved their toiletries from the guest room and spent a few minutes attending to the bedtime necessities, brushing and flossing and washing up in companionable silence. When they were both ready, they went back to the bedroom together. Kate shut the door behind them and flipped the privacy lock. She left the bedside lamp on and gazed around the room absently as she unbuttoned her jeans and let them fall to the floor. Man, she said, her voice low. I'm trying to remember the last time I had a boy in here. John grinned as he began stripping out of his own clothes. Did your parents know about it? Kate snorted. No. She pulled off her sweater and t-shirt in one motion, then paused with her hands on her bra hooks, cocking her head thoughtfully. Well, maybe. I thought I was being sneaky, but I don't think I was actually that good at it. Your dad took some pains to point out that we're on the opposite side of the house from their bedroom, John said, as he stepped out of his underwear. You know, for privacy. He ran a hand along the length of his stiffening cock, in emphasis. Kate blushed and hid her face in her hands. Oh, gods. They did know, didn't they? If they didn't then, they know now. John stepped in close to her gently took her wrists and lowered them to her sides. He smiled and allowed his body to relax into its natural shape, sprouting horns and tail in a matter of seconds. John ran his tail tip up and down the length of Kate's sex. She was already wet with desire, and she gasped and shuddered at his touch. How does that make you feel? he asked, his voice low and husky knowing that your parents are here, right now, that I'm going to fuck you right here in your old bedroom. She met his gaze, her eyes wide and dilated. The flush of her skin spread from her cheeks, down the length of her neck, and across her shoulders and chest. The nipples stood out stiffly on her lovely breasts, light brown against her golden pale skin. Embarrassed, she admitted, her voice trembling. And really really turned on. John's grin widened. He moved her wrists behind her back and held them there, and she did not resist him. He pulled her to him, her breasts against his bare chest, the tip of his erection pressing against her mons. Her lips parted, her breaths coming shallow and shaky. She leaned in for a kiss, but he moved his head and kissed the side of her neck instead. He traced a line of kisses and love bites from just below her ear down to the meaty part of her shoulder. At the same time, his tail continued its explorations, teasing her clit, playing along the folds of her labia, becoming slick with her own juices. Kate moaned, her frustration evident, but she did not break the scene or ask for something different. You want this, John thought. You need this. And it wasn't his male ego talking, either. John could sense Kate's desires, sense the hunger inside her to surrender to his strength and direction. 
Kate was a dominant personality in most areas of her life, and when they worked together on a case, John was more than happy to follow her lead. For this moment, though, their roles were reversed, and she was John's to command. But even though John knew this, as thoroughly as he knew his own body, he needed to be sure Kate knew it too. So he checked in. So here's what I'm thinking, he said, his voice low and almost conversational as his breath tickled her ear. I'm not going to feed on you. Kate let out a dismayed sound. It turned into a gasp as John bit her earlobe. I wasn't finished, John said, still in that same soft, rumbling tone. When I feed on you, your brain turns all soft and fuzzy, and you go to sleep on me. And I don't want you sleepy. He pressed his tail inside her, curled the tip to press against her G-spot. Her eyes fluttered closed, and she squirmed against him, sucking in a breath of air between clenched teeth. So, John continued, I'm going to hold back my powers, and I am going to fuck you harder and longer than you have ever been fucked in your life. I'm going to use this delicious body of yours in every filthy, perverted way my twisted little mind can think of, and before I'm done, you're going to be screaming so loud that it won't matter how many walls are between us and your parents. John hadn't thought Kate could blush any harder than she already was. He was wrong. He let go of her wrists and slipped his tail out of her pussy. He cupped her head in both hands, brushed his thumb softly over her cheeks. Her eyes opened halfway, and he kissed her on the lips, very gently. He met her gaze and smiled his most dangerous, seductive smile. How does that sound? Kate took a deep, shuddering breath. I... I like all of it except the screaming part, she said. She paused, and her cheeks flushed even hotter. But give me a pillow to put my face in, and you've got a deal. John chuckled. He ran his hands down the sides of her neck, across her shoulders, and down the length of her back. He traced his fingertips over the muscular curves of her ass and held her there. Deal, he said, and kissed her hard. Then he picked her up, and she wrapped her arms around his neck and her legs around his waist, holding on tight. She arched her hips, adjusting the angle between them, and John's cock slid smoothly inside her. A wave of delicious pleasure ran through him, and Kate moaned in delight. John carried Kate over to the wall and braced her back against it, giving himself some leverage to thrust inside her. Kate rocked her hips in time with him, all the while lavishing kisses across his face, neck, and chest. John's tail coiled around Kate's waist, reached down, and began stroking her clit, a maneuver they had been practicing for a couple of months now, which reliably sent Kate's pleasure receptors into overdrive. Yes, she hissed, her breath hot against his ear, her fingernails digging hard into his back. Fuck me. Fuck me, John. Take me. Use me. Make me fucking scream. Any further encouragement dissolved into incoherent growls as her first orgasm shuddered through her. As Kate climaxed, John sensed the opening of her aura. 
his Daedric side uncoiled inside him, ready to feed, but he exerted his human will and pushed it back down. Wait, he commanded. And though his Daedric side could not understand concepts like self-denial, or patience, or restraint, it did understand obedience and submission. The hunger still churned inside him, but it left Kate's aura alone. As Kate's climax subsided, John carried her over to the bed. He laid her down on her back, then grabbed her by the hips and flipped her over. Kate, getting the idea, got up on her hands and knees, presenting her shapely ass to John's still rigid cock. John ran his hands over the globes of Kate's buttocks, luxuriating in the touch of her smooth, unblemished skin. Kate arched her back and closed her eyes, a small, contented smile on her lips. John's tail reached out again and ran back and forth across her vulva, its fleshy, muscular head flicking across her clit with every pass. As he did so, he altered the tail's shape, making the head longer, rounder, and thinner, a flanged cone of muscular red flesh. Another modest effort of will, and hidden glands beneath the skin of the tail began to secrete, covering the head with a slick layer of fluid that was not unlike Kate's own juices. He positioned the refashioned tail tip against the bud of Kate's anus, running it lightly around the folds of muscle. Then he paused, looking back to Kate's face for confirmation. Do it, she whispered. Slowly, gently, John pressed his tail through the ring of muscle. The tail's own lubricant eased its passage, and he slitted a full ten centimeters inside her before it was stopped by its own flaring head. John felt Kate's body squeezing the sensitive flesh, trying to draw him deeper inside her. It was an exquisite sensation, and it made his already rigid penis grow even harder. Grabbing Kate's hips in both hands, John stepped between her spread legs and thrust his cock inside her waiting pussy. Kate grunted, an animalistic sound of pleasure, and her fingers curled into fists in the blankets. She rocked back against him, swallowing him to the hilt, her pelvic muscles clenching down hard on cock and tail alike. John let out a groan of his own, overcome by the sheer ecstatic beauty of the moment. The arch of Kate's spine, the fall of her hair around her shoulders, the softness of her ass under his fingers, the richness of her cries, the warm tightness of being inside her. This incredible, beautiful, courageous, powerful woman had given herself to him completely. A deep, primal voice echoed through his mind, a thought nearly as old as life itself. Mine. A new sense of fervor overtook him then, his groans becoming a growl of fierce possession. His grip tightened around her, fingernails digging into thighs and buttocks, and he quickened his pace, pistoning in and out of her in deep, hard thrusts. His tail moved with Kate, not against her, but each time she slammed back against John's hips, its head penetrated a little deeper. Kate grabbed a pillow in front of her and buried her face in it as John drove her to a screaming climax. He slowed his pace slightly, just long enough for her to catch her breath. Her aura was wide open now, its magic enveloping him in an embrace he could not see but could surely feel. His own aura had opened as well, 
the human side of his life force mingling with hers in the space between them. It was intimacy of both body and spirit, and John closed his eyes and reveled in it. In that moment, his control slipped. Without warning, John's daedric half reared its head again and struck out through that connection, grabbing hold of the life mana that floated so tantalizingly near. Kate's cries rose suddenly in pitch as the feeding set her brain's pleasure receptors alight. John felt the warm, sweet honey of Kate's life force flowing into him, into the endless, empty hunger that sat in the core of his being. The part of him that was Daedra felt smugly satisfied, even as his human side snarled at the loss of control. With an immense effort of will, John reached out and grabbed hold of that flow of mana, stopping it in midstream. He never could have anticipated what happened next. For an instant, the channel remained open but static, the energies between himself and Kate in a balanced tension. Then, he felt the flow reverse, and some unseen force grabbed hold of his essence and began drawing it out of him and into Kate. Kate gasped, her whole body going rigid, as a substance like red smoke poured out of John's body and flowed into her. It erupted from his mystic center, the spot two finger widths below his navel, where his excess power was stored, and ran down the length of his cock, up through Kate's groin, and into her core. In seconds, the pull intensified, growing from a stream into a torrent, a fire hose of smoky red power. John's nerve endings went haywire, flashing with hot and cold, pleasure and pain all at once, all over his body. His vision went dark, his legs gave way beneath him, and he crumpled to the floor. The connection broke with a snap like an electrical discharge, and then there was nothing but the sound of their panting, heaving breaths. John had landed half-twisted on the floor, his face pressed against the carpet, his legs folded awkwardly beneath him. He groaned and slowly rolled himself over onto his belly, his head pointing roughly away from the bed. All of his muscles were trembling, as if he'd been hit with a stun wand. Sean? Kate's voice came from the bed behind him, uncertain and disoriented. Are you all right? <sighs> John said. He pushed himself carefully to his hands and knees. His arms and legs supported his weight, but they weren't happy about it. I... I think so. What happened? I felt you start to feed on me, and then... Kate trailed off, as if at a loss for words. John shook his head, dazedly. No fucking idea. Never felt anything like that before. He rubbed at his eyes, and the darkness slowly faded, the light from the single lamp filling the room with a warm, soft glow. I feel so strange, Kate said. My head feels wrong. My eyes... And there's something... Oh. Oh, gods. John? The timbre of Kate's voice abruptly changed, from muzzy confusion to panic. John, come here! John's muscles were still screaming at him, but the sound of Kate's fear pushed him into action. He got himself turned around, laid both forearms flat on the edge of the bed, and managed to lever himself to his feet. When he saw Kate... He almost fell down again. 
She was sitting up now, her legs spread loosely, her hair a sweat-soaked tangle around her face. That hair had turned from auburn to jet black, and so had her eyebrows and pubic hair. Her skin had changed from golden pale to a darker brick-red tone. Her nails had grown longer and darker. Her pale green eyes were now a brilliant amber and glowing softly through the cloud of shadows that surrounded her. She had grown a small pair of horns, slightly curving, gray-brown, and pointed, which sprouted from her forehead just above her temples. Behind her, a long, thin tail with a fleshy, spade-shaped tip was flexing and twitching, seemingly of its own volition. And between her legs, in the place where her clit had been, was a thick, erect organ at least twenty centimeters long. Kate stared at the alien member, her jaw hanging open. John was pretty sure he had the same expression. Suspira's tits, he breathed. Kate looked up at him, and her eyes flashed with yellow light. John, she said, her voice shaking. What the fuck did we just do? And that's the end of Chapter 7. Well, that could certainly complicate things, couldn't it? Come back next time, when John and Kate try to cope with this unexpected transformation. Jennifer Mergia said, Write to your heart's content, and by all means have fun with your creation. It's your moment to do absolutely anything within those pages. So, let's see the fun I've been up to this week. Here's your weekly writing report. This update covers the week of May 30th to June 5th. I wrote 4,124 words this week, over the course of 6.5 hours, for an average writing speed of 634 words per hour. As of Friday night, I've gone 49 days without breaking my chain. This week I reached an exciting milestone. I wrote the first sex scene in Honor Bound. It happens in Chapter 8, at about 17,000 words into the manuscript. This is pretty much perfectly on track for my romance story beat sheet. The scene marks the culmination of the story's inciting incident. Honor and Natasha have met, and we've seen how they could be right for each other, but neither one of them is ready yet. We now move into what the beat sheet calls the end of the beginning. We're going to see how both characters respond to the inciting incident, and how those decisions will lead them into the second act of the book. The story is now over 18,000 words. Looking back on the month of May, I wrote 13,665 words in 21 days, averaging 651 words per day. That ranks 36th out of the 61 months since I started keeping track. Compared to April, my word count increased by 33%, and my writing time increased by 38%. And now, the feedback. Robbie Harris asks, Has anyone tried to use magic to export the curse? I can see an entrepreneurial-slash-unscrupulous magic user traveling to the more extreme places of the world, 
and offering people the chance to improve their survivability by adding the ability to morph into one of the native animals. Hi, Robbie. The Curse of Metamore is uniquely tied to one geographical region, centered on Kaya Citadel and the nexus beneath it. That's because when Nasage and his wizards cast their transformation spells against Metamore Keep, and the Keep's defenders cast their counterspells to resist them, both sets of magic got caught up in a snarl with the innate magic of the Keep. The magic of the Nexus provides a permanent, ongoing supply of mana that keeps the curse going, but it also anchors it in place. The range of the curse has expanded as the ambient mana levels in the world have risen, but if you want to partake of its effects, you have to come to it. There are forms of transformation magic that can be bottled up and sold, that's one of Artax's specialties, but that sort of magic is always temporary, and honestly, that's the way most people prefer it. It's one thing to grow yourself a thick coat of fur to help you survive an oncoming blizzard, but you might not want to deal with the consequences for the rest of your life. And if that is something you want, well, that's where cursed tourism comes in. Thanks for the question. If you'd like to share your thoughts about the show, send your feedback in text or audio to metamorecityfeedback at gmail.com. To leave a voicemail, dial area code 641-715-3900, then enter extension 255082, followed by the pound sign. My Facebook is facebook.com slash author Chris Lester. The fan group is fans of Metamore City on Facebook, and our Discord server is Metamore City. I'm there pretty often, so come say hi. If you like this show, please consider leaving a review at Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Podchaser.com. It really helps people find the show. That's all for this week. I'll be back next time with more fresh new fiction. Until then, keep it on the bright side. This is Chris Lester, signing out. The contents of this podcast are copyright 2019 and 2020 by Chris Lester and Liminal Corvid Press. The show is released under a Creative Commons, Attribution, Non-Commercial, No Derivatives License. So don't change it, don't sell it, but feel free to share it all you like. For more information about this license, please visit creativecommons.org.